Good morning. morning. I always love coming to Calvary Chapel, Richmond. I always tell Tim this is like a, a home away from home for me. You guys are very blessed to have the uh, pastor that you have, to have the, the leadership that you have. Always uh, a blessing to be uh, in touch with Trevor and Scott and the, the rest of the team. And uh, just so, so encouraged every time I come here. So thank you all for, for having me. It's a humble, very humbling to be, to be asked to, to share with you guys and looking forward to it and uh, thankful for you all. And thankful for the time you guys afforded my wife and I to come stay at, the, at a hotel last night and come in and, and just uh, be together and uh, not have to rush down. And that was an encouragement. So thank you for, for spoiling us and, uh, uh, and blessing our marriage. So, But let me pray again. I, we've prayed several times, but I just want to pray one more time and then we're going to dive into the word together. Um, God, thank you. We, we, I just thank you for, for Pastor Tim, for him being a faithful pastor, for stewarding your word, for having a, just a, a tenacity to open the Bible each and every week and to lead uh, this church family. It, it is more than evident that they are a well-fed church and a loving church committed to sharing your word in this community, Lord, and being a light for your, for your son Jesus, the gospel going forward. It, we just thank you. We pray for great fruit to come from this church. We pray for revival in our land, Lord, for the gospel to be the highest flag flown in this nation. We love you, God. We pray for the services here, for the service at every church where your word is taught, that your church would be strengthened so that we can go out into the mission field that we are, to the mission field that we see and encounter each and every day, strengthened by one another, by your word, and that uh, we would be fruitful in all that you put us, put our hands to. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I'm going to invite you all to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, as you're looking for for that chapter, I'm going to invite you to stand. This is my pattern. I, I don't know if this is your pattern. I'm sorry to invade your patterns, but uh, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and, and just join me as we read God's Word. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 10, just a couple verses. This is going to be my launching pad. We will start here and we will stop here this morning. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us hold, I'm going to start in verse 23 just because I'm a rebel like that. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. All right, you may be seated. This morning, I I just want to take the time to talk a little bit about that particular passage and really just have a a conversation with you all uh, about good old-fashioned fellowship or community. 
what, what is described here in, in our verse and why the author of Hebrews says that we should not forsake it, why we should... Are y'all awake? That's all. That's what they're doing. Next is a buzzer in the chair. We had those installed this week, so y'all just wait. Y'all just wait. We're gonna we're gonna talk about community, and and the reason why the author wrote about it said we should not forsake it, and why we should be doing it more and more as we see the day approaching. That day, speak, speaking of the day of. Christ's second coming. So uh, as we look at this, we want to, to, to talk about it, understand it a little bit better, and, uh, and, and, and to do so, I think it's really important that we understand exactly what fellowship is. Uh, what, what is the term? Let's define this term, uh, fellowship. Unfortunately, uh, there's not a lot of use of, of, of the word fellowship in our common everyday vernacular. Uh, fellowship is sometimes we see it used in the medical community. There's fellowship of certain doctors, or in the legal community, there's fellowships of certain, uh, you know, in, in legal institutions or in academia. But uh, other than that, it's not used a lot outside of a church context. But it's interesting. I, I looked up the etymology of the word fellowship, and and all these places said, oh, this is, you know, it has its roots back to 200 to 300 years ago. And I, what are you talking about? This is a Bible word. Give us our word back. Fellowship, it's thousands of years old. Give us our word. Y'all hijacked our rainbow from Noah's day. And just like that, give us, give us our word fellowship back as well while you're at it. But uh, fellowship is an important word. And unfortunately, we sometimes have played loose and fast with it as well. And we miss it sometimes by an inch and sometimes by a mile. Uh, sometimes when we, you know, fellowship, sometimes for some of us has been relegated to a fellowship hall. You know, we, we, we relegate that, you know, to, to just a place and proximity to a location. I, I know I repented and became a disciple of Jesus Christ in the late 90s. I'm going to start dating myself. But, um, you know, we would come into church and you were to be seen and not heard when you were in the sanctuary. You, you came in, you did your thing there, you may look like you had just finished sucking a bowl of lemons, but you were just to be there in your row and, and, and then you'd shuffle out and then you'd be welcome to go to the fellowship hall where they serve punch and stale cookies and, and there you could have fellowship. Um, now the church I was a part of was built in the Civil War uh, during Civil War age, and most of the founding members and people that we were there with, I think, were born somewhere thereabouts. So we as young whippersnappers were not supposed to be having a lot of fellowship, again, seen but not heard. Uh, some of us just love to, to, to have fellowship at church. Some of us love to have what we call fellowship at our, in our homes. We are very hospitable people. As Christians, we love welcoming people. It's now moving into possibly football season. We used to, I love having the fellas over and watching football, and sometimes that's fellowship, right? Sometimes, sometimes it is, and sometimes it is not. Uh, I, I'm not here. Listen, and I mean this. I'm not going to give you a, a list of top 10 things to do or these are the ways that you know you're having fellowship. That's not what this message is about. This is thinking deeper, higher, Holy Spirit-led, New Testament, grace-oriented Fellowship, I'm not wanting to be legalistic and providing you a check sheet. 
in order for you to understand what this is. Uh, sometimes uh, as we talk about uh, this, let's, let's define it biblically. Uh, biblically speaking, fellowship refers to our common life together as followers of Jesus Christ. It is the supernatural provision for great strength and power for the believers. I want to say that again. Fellowship is designed by God as a supernatural provision for power and strength for the believer. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we all know this verse. We all have it tattooed on our eyelids. This is just a go-to verse for so many of us. But let me read it. And let's understand where it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Luke draws our special attention to four very telling characteristics. Apostolic teaching, mutual fellowship, prayer, and a communal meal. That's where his heart is. That's what he is emphasizing in this text. And you'll notice he puts some high-impact phrases around those terms. Notice that he says, they devoted themselves. Or in, in the old King Jimmy, he says, they continued steadfastly, right? That word in the original language means to be strong towards. To continue steadfastly or to devote themselves means to be strong towards. In other words, these disciples were strong towards fellowship. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they were committed to community. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they were committed to community. The Greek word for fellowship in this particular text in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is that word koinonia in the original language. We, we're familiar. Again, I know you're well taught. Pastor Tim's probably covered this every other Sunday. But again, this passage, this, this word koinonia means partnership, sharing, communion, or as we like to say, fellowship. It, it was borrowed from the mercantile world. It means to build a partnership. It means to go in with one another. It means, in, in a literal sense, that, you know what? I'm going to put my life on the line. I'm going to put all of my chips on the table for you. I want to go in that deep with you. My commitment to you is total. I am going to put all my chips in. You're going to put all your chips in. We are together. That's the strength of this term, that we are going all in with one another. That's the heart of biblical community. A powerful study for this is you, you've, you guys are familiar with the, uh, the one another's of the New Testament. There's about 18, depending on your version, 18, 20, one another's. And, and, and it, it, this very instructive text as you read the New Testament. For example, uh, Romans 12 is rich with them. It says there, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, accept one another. So on and so on. Very instructive text for us on how koinonia is to be lived out. And this morning, what I, I plan to do is, um, I have to ask a question because I probably need a little bit of permission. How, how long does Pastor Tim usually preach for? Okay, hours. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure, I, you know, I don't want to preclude myself from being, being invited again, you know, so if I was to start going hours and Tim, you know, doesn't do that, I, I just didn't want to upset anybody. Again, the buzzers are in your chairs. I can, if I see anybody nodding off, 
I got connections back here to the AV booth. So with that being said, there are four New Testament pictures with, that, that are very strong, that paint a very vivid picture for us on what biblical community, what New Testament community are to look like. And uh, we're going to talk about three of them, and, and I'll get to them here momentarily. But before we, we talk about that, I think it's just worth noting that Genesis chapter 1 starts us off with the understanding of the significance of community. In Genesis 1, we're introduced to the Godhead, where we see clearly that there is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself is com- com- uh, uh, committed to community. He himself is in community. We see shortly after that in Genesis chapter 2 that in the story of creation, where we see that the lights, the firmaments, the land, the seas, the stars, the fish, the birds, creatures, everything, everything is going well. It's going swimmingly. And then hold up, pump the brakes, wait a second. All was called good, all was called right until we see that man was created by himself. He was not in fellowship. And all of a sudden, the e-break is pulled, and, and God's special attention went to Adam and providing him a helpmate. Both maritally and socially, we are made to be connected to one another. That is the reality of the New Testament. It is the reality of the Old Testament. We see it. Abraham, again, would be the father of many nations, outnumbering the stars in the heaven. We see that the gathering of those stars in the heaven in the book of Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation, we are told about community. And so I want to get to these. And if those of you who are note takers, I want to talk to you about these four New Testament pictures. Four New Testament pictures. Just for your edification, you can write them down. The first is that we are living stones in God's temple. Now, I'll provide scriptural support for all of these as we make our way through. Secondly, we are members of the family of God. And thirdly, we are the body of Christ. Okay, now those three we're going to get through this morning, Lord willing, if I move expeditiously enough. Otherwise, we might have to take a lunch break and come back, but be that as it may. The fourth one, I just honestly, is a sermon by itself. So I'm not going to be able to cover it, but you... Uh, We'll be familiar with it. We are the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. You're familiar with that. The vine and the branches. That is the fourth and final New Testament picture of what community is supposed to look like. So this morning, let's start with uh, living stones in God's temple. For those of you who are note takers, uh, you can write this verse down. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 6. I'll read that for us now. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because then later in uh, verse 7, Peter makes a reference to the prophet Isaiah when he says, the stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. That'll be important here momentarily. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, for those of you who are note takers. It says, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And it's worthwhile mentioning that again in verse 20, above that, it says that Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Consistency alert. 
We are the stones. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. That's the emphasis here in our text. What's notable about these passages is that we are to be like Christ. He is the cornerstone. We are being built together, and we are being built together. If he's the cornerstone, then we line our lives up with Jesus to be made like him. The cornerstone is the most important stone on a a foundation. But by it, every other stone is built in reference, thus determining the position of the entire structure. The cornerstone is Jesus. It's not your pastor. It's not the elders. It's not your church leadership. It's not your home group leader. It's not the negative Nancy or the Danny Downer who may, you may know in the church body that's always got something to say on social media. It's that, not that snarky little relative, crazy Aunt Sally or Aunt Bi- Uncle Bill, you know what they're going to say at Thanksgiving. They are not our standard by which we live by. It is Jesus. We should have high expectations from our church leadership. Absolutely. They are to live holy lives before us. They are to be repenting and good and and, and New Testament oriented. But the cornerstone is Jesus. The idea here is communicated as we are living stones being brought into the likeness of Christ in our lives because we all act up. We all act up, right? Every one of us. Y'all, you know it. I acted up this morning. I'll be honest with you. I know I did. I don't know what I did, but I'm sure I did. Ask my wife. She's probably got a list. I probably acted up. We all swerve out of healthy, Christ-honoring practices and and make random decisions for no good reason because we slip into sin because we live in this carnal, fleshly world. This skin suit does us harm. We are in a battle against it every day. The gospel community helps us live like Christ. It helps us to stay out of danger. It helps us to stay in our lane. It helps us to be a repenting people who avoid pitfalls. They're out there. He is the plumb line. It's interesting, you know, we had a, uh, uh, we were, just started attending Calvary Chapel Fredericksburg a few years ago and and a young lady who'd been attending there for a while, we were kind of new, and, and she just she spotted us, and I, I, she just said, uh, hey, I just need to, to confess to someone, and, and you guys, you know, are in church leadership, and I feel I can confess to you. Okay. She just came up to us, and then she started telling us her story, and she said, you know, I've been attending here for a while, and I've been struggling in so many ways with this, that, and the other, and, um, and I was feeling, I've just been feeling disconnected here at the church. And, uh, you know, so I told some people at the church about where I was and what I was struggling with. And, and I started doing okay for a little while, but then I just, I just completely went off the rails. And you know what? I, I've become bitter because things haven't gotten any better. And nobody at the church has done anything to make it happen. But she said, I realized that was wrong. She said, I started giving the church all these expectations that they were supposed to fix the problems that I had when they also are dealing with the same struggles that, that they're dealing with. And, and, and I just needed to tell somebody that. I just needed to repent that I have all the expectations of everyone else in my life around me, but I don't have those expectations of me. And, and, and I need to confess that because we're built, being built together like Christ. Like, you're right. You're right. That's where we are. And, and, and we have to stay connected 
to the body. We have to be connected to one another. And it's interesting that we have more connections now in our culture, yet are less connected than ever. We have all of these things available to us, all of these meanings and modes and, and, and connections virtually that we can be connected to. We can have more friends but have less relationships. We have the ability to tweet but are less transparent. We have more followers but fewer conversations. And, and, and it's interesting, you know, uh, looking at some of the, the studies that have come out recently, uh, I've, I found this particular study done by Cigna Health Group, and, and here's the title of it. Americans are lonelier than ever, but Gen Z may be the loneliest. Now, I, I don't have the, the time to go into all of the statistics and how they, they did this particular study, but uh, Douglas Nemesek, MD, Chief Medical Officer of Behavioral Health at Cigna, said this. He said, what this comes down to is that we as a, as a society are experiencing a lack of connection. Gen Z had a 48.3% response rate to admitting feelings of a sense of great loneliness. That is significantly, that's a 20 plus percent more responses to that question than all previous generations. What's the cause? Dr. Nemesek said mobility, commuter lifestyles, fast-paced lifestyles, and social media provide overstimulation. The reason why so many of them are experiencing satisfying and long-lasting relationships are they are built on shallow commonalities that fluctuate as those commonalities change. And so do those relationships. See, we can make those connections more with people now than ever. You know, we have commonalities. You know, you know what I mean? We have affinities for this, that, or the other thing. But, but as those commonalities change, as our life seasons change, as our likes and dislikes and passions fade and change. So do the commonalities. And then all of a sudden, our friendship circles completely change with one another. That's the way of our culture. And we'll disregard that person, discard that friendship and connection, and we just exchange it for the next one. That's our community. That's who we are. That's, that's us. I mean, we're going to go, uh, you know, Scott was telling me about some custard place that y'all have. He says it's supposed to rival Carl's in Fredericksburg. That's, that's, some, that's some trash talk as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Scott's them fighting words, but no, not, not at all. But, you know, y'all, we can all go down to, what, what's, what's y'all's place's name? What is it? Jimmers. All right. So you can go down to Jimmers and you can snap your photo of your, of your tall custard there and, uh, and, 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 and just post that bad boy up and everybody, look, look at what I, we're here and, 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 and I'm not, I'm not knocking that, but, but some of us will go back and, well, I only got 200 stars and, and I only got 400 likes and, and, and how come nobody commented? I saw so-and-so commented on this one, but they didn't comment on mine. That's the, that's the shallowness of our culture. That, that's, the, the re, that's the depth of our relationships with one another. And, but we need to be connected. We need that stability and strength with one another. We need connections. Sean and I built a, a, bought a fixer-upper not too long ago. 
And uh, my goodness, three years ago, it, it's still in process. She, you know, I, I started telling her last night, like, couldn't you imagine if we did this, that, or that? She said, uh, 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 no, sir. You ain't finished the projects that we started three years ago. Don't even think about doing a bathroom remodel. Man, stop. Can I dream? No. You need to get the bathroom downstairs fixed before you start going. But anyway, but listen, let me share this with you. Look, buildings, here's some, here's some, some lessons for you about a building project and, and being big, built together as living stones. Buildings are built with many parts, okay? Buildings are built. It takes thousands of parts. And, and God's temple is the same way. You are unique. I am unique. We are all different. And we all have to come together in order to build the building to its full functionality. That's just the reality. And secondly, all of these parts have to be fitted together just so. Just so. If you don't connect those pieces together, you're going to have problems. You're going to have leaks. If you don't fit things together, you're going to have damage. If a pipe isn't fitted just together, it's going to leak. If, if you... Oh my, I, I made so many mistakes at our house. Oh, my goodness. I... I, I I probably have, you're supposed to have about this much wood to stain your floors with. I had to sand those things. I'm probably like on a paper thin, right? I mean, we are so thin because of all the mistakes I made in sanding those floors down. We're probably going to fall through the, the floor at the rate I was going. But if you don't do everything just so, your, your house, your temple is going to fall down. A part is useless unless it is connected, number three. Number one, you, can, you have to build with many parts. Number two, they have to be fitted just so. And listen, a part is, that is not connected is useless. A part that is not connected is useless. Listen, our, our project is still going. My wife will testify. I have thousands of dollars worth of parts sitting in my basement. Thousands. And they're doing me a whole lot of no good right now in their present state. But once they are connected, once they are put in their proper place, they will add value. They will add function to my home. They will add uh, appeal and, and usefulness. And if you are not connected to God's house, then you are useless. If you are not connected to God's temple in a meaningful way, you are useless. And I mean that in a loving way. I'm not trying to be harsh or cruel, but think about a, a house that has parts that are just sitting in the center of the floor every, each and every week that are not functioning, that are not adding something. And, and, and you can tell people who, who view God's house, God's church in this way, where they're not, they don't value it, they don't consider themselves a part of God's house. They, they'll say things to you and me like, I like your church, or I really appreciate your services. I really do enjoy that thing that you guys do. They are not personally invested. They're not personally connected or committed to anything in a meaningful way. They're coming as a consumer. They want to take from the church, but they do not want to give to Jesus. They want to come and receive, and we all go through that for a season, okay? I'm not casting stones at you. I'm not mad. This is not some you know, lecture. I'm not wagging my finger. We all do that at the beginning. We all come to church, and we're so 
other-oriented. We're so carnal in our perspectives that we just, we don't know up from down and right from left. But as we come to Christ, we realize that this world is bigger than us, that this life is not about us, that it is others-oriented, that this is God's kingdom, it's not mine. And we want to be contributors, not consumers. And God reorients us. He changes us. We are living stones in God's temple. And we need the strength and the stability that only God can find and provide for us. It's interesting in in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul wrote, So that if I am delayed, you will know how the people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth. What are pillars for? What are foundations for? To provide strength and stability. That's why we come together as the body of Christ, as we come together as the living stones, pardon me. Well, secondly, another example that he gives us, in addition to the living stones, is members of a family. For those of you who are note takers, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, so, that, so then, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, brothers and sisters connected in the family, in the household of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22 says, Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Consistency alert. The, The big idea being connected here is that we are part of a family. The family has God as his father. We are siblings. There's also an idea that there are benefits of being part of this family. There are certain benefits as being having the Godfather, I mean Father God, as part of our, as, as the leader of our family. Listen, you can in some ways, I don't want to say no or never, But I just want to say, you can't be connected to Father God at your business or on the ball field or in other places like you can in the family of God. Okay? Listen, you you, you can shine the light of Christ. You can be connected to other Christian businessmen and women all throughout the community. You can. You can be a witness for Christ on your ball team or on the ballet uh, uh, what is that floor? Yes, I don't know. You and your tutu, shine the light of Jesus. Whatever uh, you may do there, but it does not. You do not connect as the same way as you do when you're with the family of Christ. You cannot do it. It's impossible. A Christian without a family is an orphan. A Christian without a family. When you're born, you're born as a member of the human race. But you're not a part of a family until someone takes you home. 
And likewise, you have got to be connected to, deeply rooted in a home, the family of God. A believer needs to walk. Look, I can think of no more meaningful time than when we first come to faith, when we are a babe in Christ. We need the family of God more than we ever do. I, I, I understand. Yes, we need the word of God. Yes, you need prayer. But during those early years of our faith, those early months, those early weeks, it's the family of God that plays such a significant role. Because many of us came out of brokenness, out of so many other things, religiosity possibly, our our own plights, whatever brought us to that place of surrender and repentance. But we need people coming alongside of us saying, this is the way. This is the truth. Christ is good. Here, let us lead you in a new way. What does that mean? Let's help. I, I love when my wife and I, you know, were first coming to faith, you know, we were reading the Bible together and she would always say to me like, you know, I, I, I get it. I hear what you're saying, but I need somebody to help me put some skin on that. You know, I can see the bones that you're talking about, but I need to put some skin on that. And that's the importance of being a part of the family of God. We need to see what it's like lived out. It's all theory until we're with the family and we get to see it lived out. Just take a minute, look around the room. Look down your aisles. Look, 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 look around. Say hi to the AV team back there. Now, having looked at the room itself as well, let me ask you something. What in this room is going to be with us in eternity? The person beside you, the soul of the person beside you is going to be the only thing in this room that goes with you. The word of God will not fade. I get that. That, that that's true. Some of you go, don't you take my Bible. Yeah, I got it. We're Calvary Chapel, all right? We, we teach this word. But the soul of the person beside you, behind you, in front of you, that is the only thing from this room that is going with you into eternity. It's really important that we understand that. There's not going to be any uh, computers in heaven, no Microsoft, no Apple, praise the Lord, right? No 95, no 295, thank you, Jesus, right? There's not going to be any bosses. Your boss may be with you, but he ain't going to be your boss anymore, right? Listen, the church is not an event you attend. It is a family that you're a part of. And it's important that we understand that. They give us depth and loyalty. We show up here to show deep abiding grace to one another because we're a family. We are committed to one another. Families don't dissolve just because you have a disagreement with one another. So much of the New Testament is committed to overcoming these disagreements. So much of the, over, the, the New Testament is spent helping us to get along in spite of our differences and challenges. Our world needs that. Have you noticed that? Yeah, yeah. Have you noticed it? Consumerism is killing our culture. It's killing our church. It's one of the foremost enemies of the true gospel. It diametrically opposes itself. We cannot come to church asking what I can get. We have to Say, Lord, what can I give as we come here? So many people come to the church each and every 
week, and, and, and some of you are rightly asking, Lord, what is my calling? What am I supposed to be doing? How do I live this gospel? What do you want from me as I do that? It's a, a, a question you get as a Bible study leader, as an elder, as a pastor, as a friend. What does the Lord want from me? What is my calling? And I just want to encourage you in this, as you come to the family of God each and every week, the number one rule to answer your question is love. Love the body of Christ. Love this family. Love it. Love the people around you. You will know how to serve this body. You will know how to serve this family if you fall in love with her. If you fall in love with this family, you'll know what she needs, how to best serve this body, how to serve this family. You'll know uh, when you got to know your spouse, you didn't need a list, a, a spiritual gift inventory. I'm not against those. You can do your spiritual gift inventory. But you didn't have to take a spiritual gift inventory to say, well, I wonder if she likes flowers. Does my personality like to give flowers? I don't know. Do I? No, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to make my spouse, to, to bless her, to love her, to encourage. I'm going to find out what she responds to, what he likes, and that's what I'm going to do. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. You're getting elbows right now. See, I told you. You just, you just gotta know me better. You big lug. Remember those days? Remember? But we love, love the body, and desire to serve her. You will be supernaturally empowered to do whatever the Lord wants you to do as you love the body and seek to serve her. That's just the way it works. And, and, and I just want to say this, and this maybe might go over my time, but I don't have a time, so praise the Lord. Um, don't play games. I, I feel, you know, don't play games with the body. So many people come in and out of the church, and, and you know, you have a little spat with somebody, and we uh, have a disagreement, and instead of actually doing the hard work of, of reconciling, instead of doing the hard work of seeking to love and honor one another and and minister to one another. We, we play these games. We, 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 you know, we passive aggressive and we do this, that, and the other thing. And man, especially in this COVID season, it's really frustrating. It's really hard. We had a, 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 one of our little friends, uh, Shauna's friend came over and brought her, her, her daughter. And, and this little girl was sweet as, as pie. Love, love this family. But one of the things that they were doing, that she didn't like the game that my daughter and the other little friend were playing upstairs, and she just kept sneaking downstairs. And we were sitting there, and all of a sudden we see the little girl, and then she'd go back up, and then she'd come back down, and 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 just what what's going on? So we called her over and said, "What are you? What's going on? What the girls are up there playing? Why do you keep coming down here and then peeking and sneaking?" And she's like, "Well, I don't like the game they're playing, and I just wanted to see if they miss me." you know that's how we go that's how we go that's what we do i just want to see if they miss me and we'll come and we'll get all aggravated and we'll come back to church just to see if they missed us just to play these little passive aggressive names games with one another and 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 how come nobody called me and how come nobody said this or how come this didn't get mentioned nobody reached out to me Listen, that, that, that's not Bible. That's, not, that's rude, number one. It's childish, number two. It's not gospel, most importantly. If you've got a problem, 
go, go take care of it. Love the body of Christ. Love the family. That's your sister. That's your brother that you're offended with. Take care of business. Love each other. You still got to come together for the family meals. I just don't get when we, we play these games. Thirdly, you're saying, finally, oof, Matt, you're running out of time here, buddy. Uh, we're, the, we're Christ's body. We are Christ's body. The body of Christ connects me to the head, who is Christ. Again, those of you who are uh, note-takers, pardon me, you're a note-taker, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. Now you are Christ's bodies body, pardon me, and individually members of it. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all are the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body... In one spirit, just also as you were called in one hope of your calling. We belong to one another. That's the big picture here. The big idea being conveyed in this passage is that we are connected to one another. And the great sense of this is that we belong to one another. We are thoroughly, intrinsically woven together into one body. The church has many parts. Look Again, look around. None of us look the same. None of us smell the same. None of us think the same. I, 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 honestly, I'm just amazed. We, uh, I got to pick my sister up from the airport from uh, Washington State not too long ago. Uh, ran up to Dulles. And I, I tell you what, it's just amazing. I just stand amazed as you go into an airport and see people traveling from all over the world. That God can take just, you know, everybody has this, this skin, a little bit of, you know, bone, a little bit of muscle it features in our face. That's, it's all just attached in a different way. And just with the, and we all have hair follicles. Some of us have fewer than others. But with just a, variety, just a small variety of color and small follicle changes and simple bone structure and muscle changes, he makes just this amazing array of human beings. Just marvel at it sometimes. The, the creativity, the amazingness of God that he can just take from this little tiny palette and make this huge diversity of races, tongues, and nations He's amazing. He is an artist. He is a creator. And we should celebrate diversity, not just acknowledge it, but ce- just celebrate the goodness of God. And, and, and as we look at the, you know, it's astounding. God loves diversity. I'm so glad that God 
creates differences and, and that we all think differently. We have different experiences and we all look, smell, think. We're all quirky. We're all our own kind of weird. We're all kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs some days, most days, right? We celebrate it. We all have different backgrounds. Every nation, tongue, creed, color, we are all a part of the blood-bought family of Christ. Every single one of us. And 1 Corinthians 12 declares that an eye can't even stand. Uh, look, I'm going to read this for us because I'll mess it up otherwise. Verse 12 through 23 declares that the eye can't say to the hand, nor can the head say to the foot, I don't need you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that are, we think, less honorably, we bestow greater honor. And our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Not everybody's made to be up on a stage. Not everybody's meant to be uh, the leader of this ministry or that. Some of us are made to be participants. Some of us are made to be supporters of that particular ministry. Some of the things that we do in life are made to be done quietly, without a single person knowing that we're doing it. The praise and honor goes to Jesus when that happens, but not everybody is seen. Listen, my nose is so big, it, it enters a room about three or four minutes before I get there, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Everybody gets to see it. But nobody's ever seen, I've never seen my liver. And I hope I never do. <laughs> I wouldn't know what it looked like if it bit me in the face, but I don't want to ever see my liver, yet it plays a vital role. I can live, I could live without this. I would look really weird, but I can live without it. I can't live without my liver. And some of you are the same way. Some of you play the most vital role in the church, and it would not be right without it. The church would be severely hampered without your presence, without your functioning. I need you. Pastor Tim needs you. The brother and the sister in front of you and beside you and behind you, they need you as a fully functioning member of this body of Christ. Prominence does not equal importance. Some of our parts play a different role. Some are, seem more important than others, but that is not the case. Just because you're more visual doesn't equal prominence. We are dependent upon Christ as our head. I just want to encourage you not to ever be decapitated. First, uh, not first. Yeah, that was kind of dark, but anyhow. <laughs> what happens when you deviate from your notes. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels and going on in detail about visions and puffed up without reason in the sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. Some of us are joints and ligaments. Grows with the growth that comes from God. Our simple faith is our steadfast connection to Jesus and to the very essence of spiritual strength and vitality that comes through the body of Christ. Let me say that again. Our simple faith is our steadfast connection to Christ and to the body. We need it. We need to be connected. Listen, I... Our muscles and organs, they're all meant to be connected. They're joined together. 
Some people say, I don't need the church. You have no idea how wrong you are. You have no idea how high and mighty you view yourself as. You have no idea your ignorance and arrogance to believe that you don't need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ. There's not a single one of us. I'll be honest with you, COVID's been hard. It's been very difficult. My grandmother is uh, 88. She's the spunkiest person you'll ever meet. She's a social butterfly. And, uh, but she's 88 now. She's had many strokes, and, she's, uh, and because of COVID, her, her health has deteriorated. And uh, she's gone from, a, in just a short period of time, she went from an adult community to an assisted living facility without the assisted part, but then assisted. She's had several health complications that went undiagnosed because of COVID. And um, right now, hospice is, is, is imminent. hard to see her because you can only see her through a piece of glass, you know? We drove down and uh, visited with her. And uh, she was able to make hearts and give you thumbs up and let you know she's good. She can't speak so well, so everything, you know, everything she shared with us is usually on a, a pad because her, her, her brain is sharp. You know, she has, still does three-syllable words and, and, and four-syllable words, but she can't communicate because the, the, the box between her, her mouth and her brain is disconnected and her muscles aren't strong in her, in her neck. But she, she'll, make, she'll write us things out, but you can only see her through a plate of glass and can't, can't hear her. And uh, that's the way it, it's felt with a lot of the body of Christ, you know, to feel that level of disconnection because, you know, we... We connect virtually via Zoom or online and all of this madness that, that is COVID. But it has shown us the, the vitality, the necessity, the absolute necessity that community is. And, and, and the tension of our nation, it, 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 it's seething with this anger and rage and frustration. And I'm, I'm not getting into the various conversations that we could go but the writer, this is what the writer of Hebrews had in mind when he said, let us stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We need to be together. We need one another. It's interesting, you know, when we look at the, the, that particular passage as, as we wrap up our study together and our time together this morning, the, the it says to stir one another up to love and good deeds. We need that. You and I need to be stirred up to love and good deeds. The, the word there in the original language is agitated. We need to be agitated into love and good deeds. <laughs> you just kind of picture the, the agitation cycle of your washing machine, right? Your wet, sopping clothes are in there, and they're being kind of knotted together. Friction is happening. They're all tangled up together. And, and, and it's through that friction that your clothes are cleansed. 
that, that, that we are becoming clean and washed. That's the picture for us, that we're to come together, be in contact with one another. Sometimes there's a little bit of friction. If, you ain't, if loving ain't hard, you ain't doing it right. We're to be together, agitating one another, being stirred up to love and good deeds. And this is, so, you know, some of us remember our grandmothers and grandparents and, 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 and those maybe great-grandmothers and tell you how they didn't have these washing machines. They had an old washing board and they just bludgeon that thing and run it, wring it as hard as they could and then smack, dip it and dunk it and, and smash it against that washboard. That's, that's a little bit of sometimes how we feel like the body of Christ is. That's, that's not, I'm not saying that we should be, be going through this legalistic ritual of pain and suffering every time we're together. Okay, I'm not saying that that's where we should be. Some of you, yeah, I love that. Whip them and get them, you know. <laughs> They're at the door. Tell me about your sins. And, you know, and, 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 you know, that's not what the church is for. But as we come into contact with one another, as we talk, I go, wow, Christ is working in you. Oh, as, as, as we see one another and we pray and we share and we hear the word of God flowing from the pulpit and flowing from the mouths of brothers and sisters in Christ, man, if Christ did that for them, he can do that for me. That's encouraging. Amen. Oh, I see the way that he's working out, putting that skin suit on it in their life. God can work. God is on the throne. I need to be reminded of that. Work has been so hard this week. I let the world overtake me. I forgot that God is good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, for, for that agitation. Thank you for that cleansing. Thank you for that perspective shift. We need to be stirred into love and good deeds. Amen. You know, the, the, the old saying is, you never know what's in a sponge until it's squeezed. You know what I mean? You have a sponge. You don't know if it's pure water or chicken juice. Talk about a nasty picture, right? Scummy, you know, you just... Raw chicken juice has been there for months and just stinking to high heaven. You know what I'm saying? I'm grilling later tonight. I'm looking for it. So that's, that just came to mind. I, honestly, I promise you, not in my notes. I don't know where the... Sorry, hon. I'm, I'm making my wife sick. But you don't know what's in a sponge, until it squeezed. You don't know what's in your washing machine sometimes until you've agitated those clothes. And I'll be honest with you, this pandemic has squeezed us in a lot of ways. It's proven what's in a lot of our hearts. It's been a test. And I'm praying for you and the church of Jesus Christ that we'll, what will come out of us will be the pure love of Christ, the Word of God. We are the light of the world. Community is for us, but it's also for them. Amen. The world needs what we have. The world needs the light of Christ. The hope, the kindness, the joy, those are byproducts of the gospel. Amen. The world doesn't know anything about them. They're, it's not nearly as dark out there as the media and all of that are portraying. But let me tell you this. I can spot a Christian a mile away. You go, go, and they're unfazed by this. We are unfazed by all the turmoil that is portrayed before us. You see them. It doesn't take much to be noticed by, by others, and it doesn't take much to show the love of Christ. So I just pray, as this pandemic, 
as the political situation, as all of the, the things that go before us, as we are being squeezed right now, that we will give forth the pure, unadulterated water, the living water that comes from Christ, our hope. Lord, we know that you've overheard. We know that your word is living, it's active, it's double-edged, Lord, and we pray that it would have its way in us, Lord. We pray for the circumstances that are precluding us from being all together as one right now. We pray that you would bring this pandemic to a safe end. Lord, help us to adopt to whatever it means to live within the realms of a seemingly new disease. But Lord, may we have a deep, earnest desire to be deeply connected in community. May you fill us afresh, Lord, as it was prayed for earlier. We pray for revival. As we long for you, may we pray for rapture. May we pray for revival. May we abide till you come. In Jesus' name, amen.